the best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Gentlemen, he's been with us on numerous occasions. And boy, oh boy, is there so much to talk about when it comes to Tobago. Uh, let's welcome back to our program here this morning, economist Dr. Vanus James. Dr. James, good morning to you. Welcome back to our program. Morning, morning, Satish. How are you? I'm fine. Happy New Year. Same to you and to yours. It's nice to have you with us here this morning. Um, boy, oh boy, uh, there's never a dull moment in Trinidad and Tobago. And it seems as though there's a lot of focus once again on Tobago. We're talking about Tobago, Tobago Carnival, Tobago Carnival in October. We're talking about autonomy bills, the, the THA leader in the papers this morning talking about um, the construction of schools. There's, there's a lot going on. Tobago seems to be a beehive of activity. Let's begin with what's going to happen in our parliament this week. Um, and for those, of the, for those of our listeners who may not necessarily be um, as updated as they probably should on what's going on, let me allow you the opportunity to explain in a bit of detail what exactly is going to take place in parliament this week when it comes to Tobago, and we're hearing all this talk about Tobago and its autonomy, what's happening? Well, did, did, did the Prime Minister announce something special? Oh, he, he announced that the Tobago autonomy bills are going to go back to Parliament. And today, in the papers, the Chief Secretary is saying that uh, they are making no amendments, they are proposing no new amendments to the bill, because he believes that's not their job, that's not their role. Um, and well, first of all, the, the Prime Minister indicated in uh, when he spoke at Hocho Charles's funeral that he would make this move. Um, th this is a little bit fast, even for the Prime Minister. But um, okay, uh, comments one is that um, it, it, what he places, if what he places, if what he's going to take to the Parliament are the two bills that were rejected last time round, they should be rejected again by the opposition because they are very bad bills uh, when it comes to the interests of Tobago and the interests of the country. And the chief secretary is woefully wrong, terribly wrong uh, here when he says those bills don't need any change. <laughs> I mean, they need radical surgery and it is completely irresponsible of the chief secretary not to lay out what surgery is needed uh, on behalf of the people of Tobago and on behalf of the country he's a government official in the country and government officials are not allowed uh, it should it be intolerable to the public for any government official to shirk the responsibility to explain to all of us what uh, is his position he had nothing to keep in any cupboard anywhere waiting for anything else. He needs to lay out and get the people of Tobago around the table to agree on whatever he is going to lay out uh, before, the, before the parliament and before the country. Uh, in the form in which those bills exist, they would amount to a colonizing bill, a, 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 a set of laws that would colonize Tobago by the government in Trinidad. And that is not acceptable at all. So that would be my first comment on both both moves. The other thing I would mention, though, is the Prime Minister was right to put the issue of national constitution reform on the table. 
uh, with this commission that he has uh, put together under Barry Sinana, because the country needs fundamental constitution reform. And when that is being done, Tobago would become an important part of that conversation. It should always have been that the dialogue about where uh, we, how we govern Tobago as a nation should include the, and uh, should always have included the dialogue about how we govern ourselves as a nation. So this, the, the, the larger move by role is the right move. It is completely uh, decadent, let me, let me use that stronger language, for the same prime minister to be coming now to say he's going to place these terrible bills uh, in, that, I, that, that was last rejected back into the parliament. I know he made the promise in Hochoy Charles's funeral, but that is all for the birds. You could say anything. When you're governing, you have to govern properly. Yeah. So if if the bills that go back to parliament this week are nothing new or unchanged, stands to reason that they're going to be defeated again. They will not get the opposition support. Because the grounds Definitely. the opposition's grounds for, for rejecting the bill last time around will be the exact same so basically, is this an exercise in futility? Is this mama guy uh, for carrying the bills back to Parliament in the very same way? The, the, the carrying back the bills to Parliament is mama guy. But, but don't forget, uh, the Prime Minister is right to say, let's talk constitutional reform in, in June. And if that is going to happen, what ought to be going on in Tobago today, regardless of whether the Prime Minister puts those bills back in Parliament or not? And and, and knowing that they will be rejected anyway. We in Tobago ought to constitute a, an early discussion, Tobago-wide discussion, about where we ought to be going with the governance of Tobago and the governance of the country. Mm-hmm. Hold our own convention here before June. We've processed this issue, we understand it. We understand it much better than the country. We understand how it should be done, why it should be done, how Tobago should be fit, should, should should fit into the national agenda, and so on. And therefore, we can explain to the nation through our own dialogue and our own conference exactly where we ought to be going. That ought to be done here for the benefit of the country. And that's what I mean by saying that this chief secretary is not thinking. You can't you can't just leave the country in limbo by saying well what they have in the past, they have no changes to propose. I have seen the reports that, that have gone to the chief secretary's desk and, and I, what he's saying there is complete nonsense. Those documents that I've seen, uh, remember I was very close to Ho Choi Charles and all these people, what he has in his hands uh, are betrayed by the statement that no fundamental changes are needed. Mm-hmm. Fundamental changes that are needed. If you want to move Tobago at all forward, Fundamental changes are needed in the structure of the THA itself. Fundamental changes are needed in the relationship between Trinidad and Tobago. Very fundamental changes are needed in the definition of Tobago in the, in the, in the, in the Constitution. And so on. Arrangements for financing. Fundamental changes are needed if the country is going to develop and diversify and um, ultimately raise the standard of living of all our people and deal with crime properly and so on. So, so, so it's, it, I mean, it's, it's awful news to hear that the Chief Secretary has once again 
betrayed his incompetence and lack of fitness for the job. Yeah. Um, you said earlier on that the opposition was right to reject the bills in their current incarnation. We have persons who have right. called this program and have vilified the opposition um, and, ha and has taken the discussion to the point where they say, well, the opposition don't like Tobago and they couldn't care about Tobago gain more money. And they went on to list a number of reasons why the opposition was wrong to reject the bills. Why do you think they were well, right? People may have their, their, their opinions and some of them would be very loose opinions. But when I talk to you on your show, I am bringing to you the science of development. The first reason those bills were wrong is that they perpetuate the authoritarian structure of the government in Tobago and the government in Trinidad. Not just Tobago, no. Uh, that's why I mean, what I mean when I say the Prime Minister is right to put constitutional reform on the table again. You cannot make any progress with an economy like Tobago that is in the doldrums and has been there for 140 years if you govern Tobago in an authoritarian way. And if you look at the bills in parliament and you just, let's begin by looking at the Tobago Island government component of those bills. And what you would see is a replica of the idea that uh, executive council is the majority in the THA, has no mechanisms therefore for oversight of its activity. And that executive council then is uh, presumably uh, accountable to the THA uh, as a collective. But there's no mechanism in the bill to enforce the accountability. So that's the first thing. You have an authoritarian government and, and, and Tobago will suffer uh, under development in perpetuity as long as we allow ourselves to be governed in an authoritarian way with one or two people making mistakes and destroying the prospects for everybody else. The second reason you need to sort out uh, those bills is that they are misconceiving the kind of boundaries that are appropriate for Tobago. The nation is defined in our constitution. If you, you you ought to use the natural rights of Tobago and the natural rights of Trinidad to define Trinidad and Tobago in such a way that when Tobago is given is able to build adequate government, I mean well structured government that allows for sound decision making that would allow it to exercise the kinds of responsibilities for the blue economy north of us and all of those kinds of things while the the petrochemicals are uh, continue to be shipped to port of spain to do whatever you all want to do with it down there and continue industrial effort around around the, the energy sector tobago doesn't have to be part of that but there is a blue economy interest that we have and the nation has, and the nation needs to have that blue economy interest properly prosecuted for the purpose of diversifying and developing the economy. So when you define the boundaries with 11 miles around uh, the, the shoreline, uh, uh, 11 nautical miles off from the shoreline, as this, these two bills in the parliament have done, you are not even beginning to consider seriously what kind of economy you're going to be able to build and what kind of thrust you're going to 
give to the national diversification effort. The third reason those bills are terrible is they make no provisions for the participation of the public in the decision-making process in this sense. As the government in, in Tobago is organized now and under those bills, and as the government of Trinidad and Tobago is organized now under the Constitution, cabinet makes policies and the ministries make policies on partial information and not this not not the bigger half the smaller half the information that you could get out of the public service via the scientific work that they're doing there but i don't know if you know but i'm a practicing economist and statistician still and i could tell you that uh, as a as a person who collects data and processes data, that is only going to give you a very limited perspective on the facts in front of us on which you're going to make policy. The rest of the information has to come directly from stakeholders, from business people, from households, institutions, and so on, appearing before the parliament on all the significant policymaking issues that the country faces, including issues of crime. And when we get access to both types of information, that's when sound policy is going to be, uh, be made. If you do not have the option to make sound policy through the government, mm -hmm. the economy cannot develop because of the type of economy we have. The nature, the structure of the economy makes it such that you, you're not going to get any fundamental change without government. And you're not going to get fundamental change through government unless government could make full information policy. So that third reason is vital to the economic development of Tobago and to the economic development of Trinidad. And you could see from those reasons why Fali is obviously talking nonsense when he says no fundamental changes are needed to those bills in the parliament. And mm -hmm. when the prime minister puts them without engaging in the in the updated information that we have without allowing us to really talk about it in a serious way and participating in the conversation himself, that is also being irresponsible. So these two Tobagonians that are leading the country are just leading us down the drain. It's no good for us. Mm -hmm. We need to take a couple of quick messages, um, uh, Dr. James. But when we get back, we'll encourage our callers to be a part of the conversation, take a couple of calls. And uh, we'll drill a bit deeper into uh, Tobago and Tobago's preparedness for this greater uh, autonomy that we've been speaking about for a pretty long period of time. Uh, is Tobago ready to shoulder this additional responsibility? What are some of the things that need to be done to prepare Tobago to get to that level? And of course, for those of you, if you're now joining our conversation, we're speaking here this morning with our special guest, and that's Dr. Vanas James with us this morning. Our special guest, economist Dr. Vanas James. Let's take a couple of your calls quickly. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Satish, and good morning to Dr. James. Dr. James, don't take me condescending, but I believe that you're a very intelligent individual. I like listening to you and the things that you say. They're quite revolutionary, and we know that if we don't change, the status quo remains. But I want to ask you this question. The present government has stated, listen, this is the best bill that we could put forward when we look at the law of the sea conference and everything else. Now, you have an idea that is better. But the question that remains in my mind today, does this bill move Tobago to a better place, yes or no? If it moves Tobago to a better place, and you get this half a loaf, 
when you get in office in 2025, couldn't you just bring the amendments that you want? We know that the present opposition does not want Tobago to get $2 billion more. They always said Tobago will get more money in Chagunas, and they do understand that. Right? And they always said that they don't want the Tobago equation seats to be interfering with the balance of power in Trinidad. They prefer to just cut them off. What does this bill bring Tobago to a better place? My situation is that if it brings Tobago to a better place, they should take it. When they get in power, bring amendments. I listen to your comments. Doc James. A better place. And you've got a little piece of evidence of that in the last two years after the um, the 669 Tobago. The move by the, the government was to take a portion of those two bills and use that portion to amend the THA Act. So it gave us 15 seats and a, an executive council in Tobago that just rules as a, a, a dictatorship in Tobago. You preserve the structure that you have in the bills in Parliament. They mirror the structure that you have here now. And if you keep, if you saddle that on us forever, we're dead in the water. So it, there's no chance from the governance structure point of view that that could take Tobago to a better place. Now, you could see the logic of, 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 of that in relation to financing, for example. Because the, the, the key thing that Tobago really needs now is the opportunity to manage and lure appropriate investments into Tobago. And under the bills that you have in the parliament today, the power to do that is non-existent. All the things we are going to have to do to set up programs in Tobago, to attract foreigners to come, and so on, all of those things are going to leave us in a position where all the bill, the provisions in the bill are going to leave us in a position where we cannot undertake those initiatives over here. So what you're, what you're and, and I can go on and on and on, what you're watching in those bills is nothing but a prescription for continuing dependence on Port of Spain. Now, remember, we pay only 18% of the monies the government spends in Tobago out of our Tobago economy. That's all the Tobago economy could fund. Mm -hmm. If you lock us into that, you're basically saying to a, a, a whole island, stay dependent on the Trinidad economy forever. So how does that take us to a better place? I can give you data on the state of the labor market in Tobago. It's, com it's a complete disaster. The bills do not provide us the powers we need to address those issues. So you, I don't see how those bills could take Tobago to a better place. I think the opposition was quite right to reject them and is going to be quite right to reject them again so that the country could get serious about the business of exploiting its development potential that lies idle in Tobago at this time. There is no chance that those bills could take Tobago to a better place. And I don't think the opposition has anything against the people of Tobago. That's complete nonsense. The opposition has a right to look after the interests of the country. And when it thinks the government is doing the wrong thing, that's its responsibility to stand up and say, notwithstanding all the old talk, this is not going to pass under our watch. They're right to do that, and they're right to say so in this case, and we're right the last time. Let's take another call. Hello, good morning. Morning, Satish. Morning, Ramsar Gwanas, and morning to um, Dr. Jeep. 
Mm-hmm. Dr. James, I think the, the, the key for Tobago is raising Tobago's GDP. I, I compare that, that uh, money that Tobago gets from Puerto Spain as the American affirmative action, whereby you have people getting um, positions in, in, in universities and whatnot that they didn't work for, right? And therefore, it, not only that, it, it, when you put people on welfare, they do have the they do have the zeal to work, to produce because they are being provided for. So what needs to be done is to develop the oil and gas industry. I have been told that there is oil and gas between Tobago and Barbados or Tobago and Trinidad that needs to be de- that needs to be developed if there is one. And that to me that is the, that is the best option for Tobago to be independent. So they don't have to depend on Trinidad, um, you know, for finance. And also, you have to get some serious politicians in Tobago, people who know what they're doing and not playing games with politics. And, you know, you have to get honest if there is one pol- a politician to, you know, to just to carry the, 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 the people's agenda forward. And not a politician's agenda for it, as we have, you know, we, we continuously seen in this island. Thanks a lot. Thank so well, I think this is a sensible call I'm getting here. Uh, many elements of which this, uh, that the speaker puts on the table make sense. It, we do need to build an economy that is viable here, and we can. And under the bills that are in Parliament, there is no chance we could do that. So we'll be dependent forever. So the speaker, the caller, is correct on that. Now let me just touch this last point that the caller made uh, on the matter of the the oil and gas. There is no... Whatever the amount of oil and gas north of Tobago, whatever the amount, even if we had a trillion dollars up there, the most sensible way to use that in a world in which we're going to be moving away anyway from the from that kind of energy sector. We should not be bringing energy sector industries to Tobago. That's a professional judgment. What we ought to do is allow the oil and gas resources to continue to facilitate the industrialization of Trinidad, just the way it's been going on all along. But we need to deal with the Tobago share of the budget by getting the boundaries right so that we can allocate the development budget properly. That's another conversation we have to have. But other than that, I mean, the the industries that Tobago should be investing in are not energy industries. There are going to be other industries I can raise with you in relation to education and healthcare and the creative industries and uh, the housing stock to underwrite them and stuff like that. We could talk about that in a serious way. Uh, the last thing I would say about what this caller has, the sensible call that we just got there, is that uh, as long as the governance arrangement is what we have in the bills in the parliament and what we have in the parliament, in the constitution today, and what we have in the THA Act, you can't get 
sensible government from anybody. You could put God to run Tobago. The, the, the policies that are made would be partially informed and inadequate to deal with the development agenda. It's a search process every nation goes through to find good leaders. We, that's why we, we turn them off every, uh, we turn them out of office every, every so many years and put other people searching for good governance. But really and truly, that's not the way to find good governance. The way to find good governance is to set up the, the government in a way that all of us could bring information to the process of decision making. And it is only when we do that in this country, Trinidad's economy could be diversified and Tobago's economy could be developed under the current constitutional arrangements and under the laws that are proposed in the bills before the parliament that Rowley is putting there this week, there is no serious chance of making sound policies to drive the economy in the direction the, the caller is suggesting we ought to be going upwards. Yeah. That's not possible. That but has to change. Unfortunately, when, when we have these discussions, it flies over the head of a lot of people because they don't understand the intricacy details that need to be addressed as you're putting forward here this morning. It's not just about giving Tobago more money and who don't want to give them more money and, and those superficial right. discussions, which some people continue right. to bandy about for political gain. Well, it's going, trying, to, trying to put one against the other and that kind of thing. That's why there's a discussion that says to the UNC ain't care about Tobago, that's why they vote against the bills. But you're talking about developing Tobago's economy and developing Tobago's earning potential, which is going to be essential if you have greater uh, autonomy one way or the other. But uh, explain how it's going to work, because um, some of our listeners, some of the people who are hearing the discussion might think, well, you know, um, what, what, what all of this is really about? Is it just about increasing the allocation in the national budget for Tobago? Or, or you're speaking about developing Tobago's potential um, and Tobago's economy. In, in some budgets that have been presented in the past, Tobago was able to generate revenue of just about $200 million, a little bit under, a little bit over, somewhere like that. But their expenditure for the financial year is closer to 2 or $3 billion. Now, that's a, that's a huge disparity. So how is this going to work with this greater autonomy? Will Tobago be given more money with greater power as to how they use that money or or is Tobago not going to be asked to generate more of its expenditure? What, what's, what's really going to happen? Or what is supposed to happen? Well, well how, how it should work is that as a country, we're, we're thinking, remember, we're running a country. We're not running Tobago and running Trinidad. We're building a nation. And the nation ought to think seriously about the best way to allocate resources in order to achieve its development ends bearing in mind that we have an economy in which we have an enormous uh, surplus of undereducated workers, for example. In Trinidad, it's about 66%. In Tobago, it's about 73% of the labor force that's undereducated. When you have an economy like that, you need to think carefully about what you're doing to diversify and develop it and at the center of that is going to be government policy. Economies with that kind of feature, that kind of property, cannot rely on market forces to drive development. So how do we think through then this business of proper allocations in relation to the consideration of Tobago and Trinidad? And I might say 
the municipal corporations as well, all of the centers of government finance and government spending. What we do, what we would normally recommend as economists is that you allocate to Tobago on the recurrent budget the same way you allocate to the whole country. Each citizen treated equally. So equal per capita allocations on the, the recurrent budget would give Tobago its population share of the recurrent budget. That's what we agreed to in the Dispute Resolution Commission. Now, whatever agreement we come to in the country about the uh, boundaries must be arrived at in the interests of the development of the economy as a whole. The responsibility to look into uh, the education exportable uh, activities, exportable healthcare, a, a, a new approach to the creative industries and the underlying housing stock to go with those kinds of things to the development of a, of a, a well-structured innovation driver services uh, industries in which innovation is very difficult to do. You need to organize it in a very specific way to get routine innovations coming out of it, the way you get for cell phones and for cars and stuff like that. So what, what the country has to understand then is that in the case of Trinidad, all my life and all your life, the population and the government has been focused heavily, investing itself and its future in, in the energy sector. And the institutional arrangements that are required to look elsewhere are not there. In addition to that, there are real physical advantages uh, that you have in Tobago as a nation, we have in Tobago, that the nation can exploit to develop the service sector. Right now, you have to then ask, how do you fund that? And how do you fund that in a way that looks fair to the whole country? Well, the way you do that is you allocate the development budget properly. Now, that's not an equal per capita issue. That's a matter of the spatial responsibility and the potential in the spatial uh, aspects of the country that the country that the nation could take advantage of. So if you define Tobago with the, with the median line boundary, you then are able to say, I will take the average of the population share and the geographical spatial share and use that to allocate the development budget between Tobago and Trinidad. And within Trinidad, you use that to allocate the development budget among the municipal corporations so that you get a real chance to allow the localities to manage and push economic development in the localities. That, if, if you did that in Trinidad, for example, mm -hmm. you would have a different approach to development in Laventille or in Pinal and so on. There will be no area of the country that lacks a component of the development budget to drive exploitation of its development potential. And if we do that, it would change the allocations on the development side uh, for Tobago without changing the allocations on the recurrent side in terms of the share. That is what the country has to think through properly if we're going to ever be able to allow for Tobago's development potential to be exploited. When you only give Tobago $300 million a year 
to spend on development. That's the same thing as saying stay dependent on Port of Spain. Let me correct your figures. I measure the Tobago economy every year. The CSO gives me their data. The Division of Finance gives me their data. I pull the data together, measure the Trinidad and Tobago economy, and on the basis of that, I can get a good feel for what the Trinidad economy is. The data we have up to now, as of the last uh, document I prepared in about a month and a half ago, the evidence is that the Tobago economy, the economy defined by this, this six-mile boundary around the shorelines in the THA Act, that economy can contribute 18%, meaning you're looking at its taxable capacity. You're not looking at how much the government actually collects because, you know, there are complicated issues with, regarding what the government actually collects. Uh, the, a lot of the taxes that are due in Tobago are paid in Trinidad and so on for convenience. Okay, let the central government collect all the money. But the, uh, the uh, just uh, let me say, just like the IRS collects all the money for all the, 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 the tax centers in, in, in the USA, the central government can collect all of the money. But it's allocated in the way I'm talking about it there. Uh, but, but we know the measure will still tell you that only 18% of the $2.4 billion sent to Tobago can be funded by the Tobago economy, which is why the previous caller was right to say we need to get busy driving the development uh, of Tobago forward. So you don't deal with this kind of thing by, by, by simply just throwing out that you're going to give Tobago 6% and 8% and so on. The country has to think through what is in its development interest. And if you go down the road that I'm talking about and you define the, the boundaries properly and so on, it gives you the chance as a nation to put pressure when you reorganize government so that the public can participate properly in the process. The nation gets to put pressure on whoever is in the THA to say these are the things we have to do for the blue economy. These are the things we have to do. And so the country participates in the governance of Tobago as a whole mm -hmm. because of the structures of, of legislative action that you put in place there that the local legislature, the Tobago legislature can translate into law to instruct the executive council. Yeah. What we're doing now is you put 2.3, 2.4 billion dollars into the hands of the THA and Trinidadians just have to stand aside and watch like all Tobagonians just have to stand aside and watch as the THA spends it to the ruin of the country. In 2022, the Tobago economy declined by 2%. And in 2023, the, oh, I got the data right up to quarter three from the CSO. The decline continues. Now, that is only so because Farley was able to make decisions on his own to cripple the construction sector in Tobago. And agriculture went down the drain with it as well. Now, all of that is going to be different if we set up the government properly so that you can ring fence policymaking by the executive council with the legislative actions of the majority of the members of the THA. What Farley and Rowley doing with this bill, the two of them seem to agree on in the parliament, is to lock Tobago into a dictatorship of the executive council forever. Because once you write that into law, it'll take Tobago another thousand years before we could change yeah. Right, so Jim. we need a real discussion about what we're doing in the country rather than waste this important opportunity 
that is coming up here. And I, I think we'll have further discussions because this is definitely something that speaks to our future and how things are going to be done. And it's important for the not, country, not just yeah, for Tobago. I was about to say, not just for Tobago, for Trinidad and Tobago. But Dr. James, we're going to have to leave it here this morning. I want to thank you for being with us here this morning and for your insightfulness in many of these issues as always. Thank you once again for uh, being You're welcome, sir. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5.